Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, June 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. NATO wants to better protect the Baltics against a Russian invasion, and we'll take a look at how bad Brexit has hit the UK economy. Plus, a listener wants to know why the UK has slashed funding for the arts and whether it's the right call. Is this being short-sighted or is this economically justified? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. As the war in Ukraine rages on, NATO wants to overhaul the way it approaches the Baltics. Estonia's prime minister claims NATO was okay relinquishing the Baltics if Russia invaded, and then sometime down the road, NATO would try and get the region back. Now, NATO said it never goes into detail about its operations, but its Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg told the FT that NATO has a new military blueprint when it comes to the Baltics. Henry Foy is here to tell me more about the strategy. Hi, Henry. Hey, Mark. So, Henry, you spoke to Stoltenberg. Uh, What exactly is the plan here? So the context here is that uh, Stoltenberg heads to uh, Madrid this week where he's going to be with the 30 other leaders of NATO and they're going to effectively decide the next strategic approach for NATO for the next decade. But most importantly, they're going to completely overhaul how they think the eastern part of NATO should be defended. So that's the Baltic states, it's, it's Poland, Romania, all the, all the countries that are bordering Russia or, or, or close to Russia. And, and the new strategy is we cannot rely on a few thousand troops in each of these states to be a deterrent, basically, and, and, and what they call a tripwire in case Russia does invade. But we need like solid, large amounts of troops, pre-positioned equipment, and most importantly, that the big countries in NATO, the the US, the UK, Canada, France, Germany, for them to have troops on standby all the time with pre-positioned knowledge of where they can go in the event of an invasion so that if the Russians do invade, NATO commanders can send them there in a matter of hours. Gotcha. So, Henry, what does this mean more broadly for the war in Ukraine? And is it enough to stop Russia from invading the Baltics? So, obviously, the biggest deterrent is that a few members of NATO, uh, US, UK, and France, are, are nuclear-armed. So, uh, if Russia's going to go to war with a NATO state, they have to be prepared that that could lead to a nuclear conflict. But the biggest thing here that people have learned from Ukraine is that the Russians did not invade slowly, slowly. They went full bore. They went incredibly aggressively. And so, that approach has really shifted the NATO mindset, which is we cannot allow uh, territory to be taken and then try to recapture it. Because if we did recapture it, it would just be a wasteland. Henry Foy is the FT's European diplomatic correspondent. It's been hard to tell the difference between what Brexit has done to the UK economy versus what can be attributed to the COVID crisis. That's because the deal went into effect just before the pandemic started. But now economists are starting to get some answers. The FT's George Parker is here to break down what they found. Hi, George. Hi there. So what are economists saying when it comes to the ripple effects that Brexit has had on the UK economy? There are two very distinct trends that are noticeable amongst others. One is the fact that Britain's trade recovery hasn't happened to the same extent of other G7 countries. Uh, And another one is a very important measure, something that Boris Johnson's always talking about, which is the level of private sector investment 
in the economy in the UK, which has been traditionally quite low, something they've wanted to raise. And again, you can see private sector investment picking up in other countries, not doing so in the UK. Just one final stats is that the government's own official forecasters say that Brexit will knock about 4% of the UK's GDP, I think, over the next 15 years. In other words, we'll be 4% poorer than we otherwise would have been in 15 years' time. Now, what do, uh, what do pro-Brexiters have to say about this, George? There have been other things which um, the government will say are benefits of Brexit, including the ability of the UK to strike trade deals with countries like New Zealand and Australia. And there are some reforms to the City of London's regulation that could be carried out. These are all things which could have an advantage to the British economy. But so far, economists have struggled really to identify much of a Brexit uplift to the economy. But as I said, they've been detecting plenty of downsides. So what we're left with is a lot of quite heroic rhetoric from Brexiteers and the government about the advantages of Brexit without very much in the way of hard evidence to support it. George Parker is the FT's political editor. Now, when it comes to how the UK spends its money, we want to take a look at one area in particular, arts programs. The government has slashed budgets for arts programs at universities by 50%. The idea is to invest more in technical programs that lead to higher earnings for students. The big thing is STEM programs, science, technology, engineering, and math. It's a topic that's near and dear to one of our listeners named Maria. I kind of grew up with it, I guess. Uh, my parents, ever since I was really, really tiny, so ever since I can remember, I've been going to art galleries. My mom always spoke about artists, uh, and the arts were very respected in my house. I, I took painting classes outside of school. Even the school I went to, we did a lot of theater. Uh, the arts were quite important in the school as well. So then I think it really evolved from there. Maria's getting a master's at the Royal College of Art, and she wants to know, is cutting budgets for arts programs a smart idea? And I just want, I do want to understand, is this being short-sighted or is this economically justified? Uh, Because as far as I know, by the government's own data, the creative industries do contribute as much as any other major industry to the UK economy. So I just... I don't understand. So is it economically justified for the UK government to slash arts funding for science and technology programs? Basically, do STEM students, after they graduate, earn more money and put more money back into the UK economy than arts students? We put this question to FT business columnist John Gapper, who has looked into this debate. Hi, John. Hi there. So how big of a part of the UK economy is the creative industry and what's included in that? Well, it's uh, really pretty big, actually. If you know the German economy for engineering, the UK economy's, you know, had a bit of a reputation in in the creative industries generally. And that ranges from everything from advertising, architecture, design, fashion, publishing, film, TV, video. It even includes, on some counts, IT and software. So it's a really big sector. And on some counts, it accounts for like 116 billion of gross value added, which is pretty high up in the UK economy. So definitely not something to be messed with. Now, we should mention that the 116 billion number was what those folks made before the pandemic. But anyway, it sounds like Maria's hunch was right about that. Um, John, what do earnings look like for students who graduate with arts degrees compared 
to STEM, which again is science, technology, engineering, and math? Well, this is where things get a little more difficult. The Treasury has been looking at the numbers pretty uh, pretty carefully in terms of undergraduate bachelor's degrees. The average return for somebody who's a graduate in a technology subject can be around £500,000 in lifetime earnings. But some of the returns can be really low, and indeed even negative, for studying pure art subjects. Okay, so it sounds like there's two sides to this coin. The creative industries, as we've talked about, they've made a, a lot of money pre-pandemic in the UK. But the, the people who actually work in those industries, there isn't a tendency to make a lot of money. So with those two things in mind, can you answer Maria's question? Is the decision economically justified to invest more money in STEM? Well, I mean, I think that you have to look at this a little bit more closely because you've got a lot of people in what are called the creative industries, advertising, marketing, and so forth. They might not have a fine arts degree. They might have a liberal arts degree, architecture, history, philosophy, politics. And then secondly, there's the question of whether or not it's what matters for the country or what matters for individuals. I mean, for the individual, they may, for example, not really earn very much. Certainly early on in their careers, because say you come out of a university and you start as a lawyer. Well, some law firms here are offering £125,000 a year as an entry salary. You're not going to get that if you're a musician. But you might end up very successful over the long period because you're taking a set of chances and you might be one of those people who only earns huge amounts of money. So, Firstly, it depends which way you measure it. And secondly, it kind of depends on how you count these industries. So I think for the government, it's going to make a very narrow economic calculation. For the individual, the way you look at it may be entirely different. John Gapper is a business columnist for the FT. Thanks, John. And hopefully we answered Maria's question. Thank you. I hope so. All right. So what did we learn here? We learned that the creative industry is a huge part of the British economy. But the people who work there don't all have the fine arts degrees that are experiencing budget cuts. Now, if you look at economic returns in terms of graduate salaries for the first 10 years, fine arts degrees don't actually have a good return on investment. But over their whole career, those graduates could potentially earn just as much money as people with other degrees. With all this in mind, we reached back out to Maria to see if John had actually answered her question, is slashing funding for arts programs economically justified? Yeah, it just uh, completely solidified what I thought. Um, So I do think it's short-sighted. Just because of what he was saying, uh, so in a, in a lifetime, someone with an arts degree can earn as much as someone with a STEM degree. And in order, like um, the question of making less money when you graduate, I think it's a personal decision. Um, also, it's the importance that the government puts in an industry that is a major contributor to the economy. And yeah, I don't think also the liberal arts degrees would be the because they're not the only ones working in those industries why discount the whole other part of people who usually are the creative minds working within those industries and pushing those industries forward all righty well thanks for your question maria and i'm glad we were able to answer it yeah thank you thank you so much all right so now that we've answered maria's question we want to hear from you if you have a question that you'd like us to answer reach out you can find us on Twitter at FT News Briefing or shoot me an email, Mark, M-A-R-C, 
F-I-L-I-P-P-I-N-O at FT.com. By the way, we love it when you send your questions as voice memos. Give it a try. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.